This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. Pretzels. Few words are as synonymous with snacking or as ubiquitous on tables across our nation. Today's guest, Tim Snyder, leads one of America's oldest pretzel brands, where the history of the twisted treat is almost equally as important as its taste. Connecting food and history is a theme this year on PreserveCast, and this is a great place to start with an icon in the food and snack industry. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast, and today we're excited to be speaking with Tim Snyder, who is the president and majority owner of the Julius Sturgis Pretzel Bakery, uh, a long-established um, company in Pennsylvania. Um, we're going to talk all about that and what, what it is that they do and their long history and how they're really preserving a piece of uh, American flavor and food and the work that they do every day. But before we get there, um, it's always exciting to know a little bit about the people that we're talking to. So, Tim, like, where did you grow up, and how does one end up becoming the majority owner of this uh, sort of iconic pretzel company? Well, I, I grew up uh, in a suburb outside of Reading, Pennsylvania, and my sister married Tom Sturgis Jr., so uh, after I taught school for nine years, um, we didn't get paid much money at that time back in the early 70s. I started working uh, summers uh, while I was teaching, uh, running routes. And then uh, I got involved with a distributor up in Lidditz, and uh, he took me on after a couple of years. Uh, and uh, I ended up being an owner and a distributor yeah, of this distributorship. And then after that, I became the general manager or sales manager down at Tom Sturgis. And I lived in Lidditz yet. And uh, Julius Sturgis Special Bakery, which has been in, has been uh, operated, owned and op operated since 1860, yeah, 1861, the owners went out of business. And, uh, a local group bought the building and asked if they needed, if I would be interested in running it. And I said, yes. So myself and uh, Tom Sturgis Pretzels are the owners of the uh, Julius Sturgis Pretzel Bakery. And so when did it, I don't think I, I knew that story that it went out of business. When did it sort of go out of business and then get bought by this local group? It, it, went, uh, it went back out of business in 2004. And I came back in in 2006, and that was because the previous owners had some financial difficulties. It's interesting too. So, I mean, in, in a way, you you sort of doing some preservation work of your own. You you rescued an an iconic brand. I mean, I know you kind of married into the family, so I'm sure that there was a little bit of of that feeling like it was a responsibility almost. Right, and it's kind of like a, it came full circle now. It went from Julius, and now we're back into the fourth generation of the Sturgis family. That's really interesting. So, yeah, let's talk about the Sturgis Pretzel Company. So you mentioned it goes back to the 1860s. So it tell us a little bit about the, the history of the company. And, and is it, I mean, I'm sure some of these things you can argue about, but is it America's oldest pretzel company? Um, yeah, we have uh, actually, we're registered in National Historic Sites. That's the first uh, commercial pretzel bakery in uh, 
America. That's interesting. And so it goes back to the 1860s, and the Sturgis family owned it all the way through your ownership, or it kind of goes back and forth? Uh, Sturgis family, one of the owners owned it up until, I believe, the late 50s, early 60s, where another person bought it. And uh, then it changed hands one other time in uh, the late 1970s. And then we took it back over in 2006. So the pretzels that they were making in the 1860s, I mean, obviously we kind of come at all of this conversation from a preservation standpoint. We're doing a whole series on sort of these iconic foods of American history and places that still kind of preserve the flavor of American history. Um, And I think you'd be hard pressed to find an example better than the Sturgis Pretzel Company because it's just this long lineage. But like the pretzels that they were making in 1860, would we recognize those today? Are those ones that you still turn out? What is what? How how has the recipe and the actual flavor changed? Oh, actually, they they would be very similar because they're still the same ingredients. Uh, at that time, they rolled them by hand, which uh, we don't. You know, down at the the modern bakery, we don't roll them by hand anymore. But uh, they they would look. Pretty much the same, probably bigger, um, same thickness because they had to be dried to get the the hard pretzel taste. So very similar, I guess. And um, in terms of like the what you turn out now, um, you, you you mentioned you don't do it by hand, but. How big is the operation? Um, because people listening, you know, we have listeners not only across the country, but we have them all across the world. Not everyone probably has seen a Sturgis pretzel on the shelf. How big is your reach? Is it growing? Like where, where, how many, how many pretzels do you make? I guess too. Yeah. Well, actually, um, the Julius Sturgis Pretzel Bakery is now just a, more or less a museum tour place. We make soft pretzels here, but our bakery that makes the hard pretzels under the Tom Sturgis name is located in Reading. And uh, we, our reach is only within um, approximately 125 miles. 85% of our business, 80 to 85% of our business is within a 125 mile radius, 150 mile radius. And we do have pockets uh, like in Wisconsin, we have a good distributor, and down in Texas, we have some uh, distribution. So uh, we would be considered a small pretzel bakery. And I mean, you know, to that point, so staying profitable, I mean, you kind of mentioned it where at one point they ran into financial challenges, but staying profitable in the food industry is, you know, it's a huge challenge. H- how do you remain competitive as a small group against things like Lay's or Utz or, or, or Snyder's of Hanover. I don't know. Is there, is there a relationship there that yeah, we should I mean, know? <laughs> when, when you look at it, uh, they call Central PA here the snack capital of the world because uh, probably, you know, between all the big companies that are within 50 miles of here, um, we produce probably around 60% of the snacks, you know, and I know we percent. We, we produce about 75 to 80 percent of all the pretzels so in the Pennsylvania area here so it's it's very difficult I was a distributor and and uh, 
I ended up having to get out of it because I was a small couple, you know, six, seven trucks. And to keep up with the Frito-Lays and Uts of the world uh, that have their financial resources, it is it is difficult. But when you find your niche and if you can get have a good product, good quality product, people will buy it. And that's what we find. So we are very strong in our area here with uh, very loyal customers. And we hope to expand a little bit at a time. We've gotten some really good dis- distribution in New Jersey and New York. So with that population base, we should continue to thrive. And how much does, like, when you guys think about marketing and expansion and, and you know, breaking into new markets, and I'm curious, how much does the history component play into that? Is that something that you play up because it's a it's unique compared to all your competitors? It's, it's one of our selling points that, uh, you know, our marketing points when we bring out that we're not the same old, same old as everybody else. And the fact that we have recipes that go way back and... Uh, Yes, it is. It is a uh, beneficial for us to be able to say we're the America. You know, we're associated with America's uh, first America's first commercial pretzel bakery. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about your your hometown, where all this this happens in in Lidditz, and uh, and you know quite a bit about it because, uh, as is mentioned in your bio, you're also the, the mayor of Lidditz and have served in local government for some time. And, and I think it would be good to kind of set the scene for where all this takes place because it's such a wonderful place. Um, and we'll do that right here on PreserveCast. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP's an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, again, we're joined by Tim Snyder, who's the president and majority owner of the Sturgis Pretzel Bakery. We've been talking about what it takes to keep a small brand in business like this and how they've done it since the 1860s. Um, and, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, pretzels and the history of your group and potential for expansion and how a small um, company like yours stays competitive, kind of using that, that differentiator of, of history. But um, we didn't mention, you mentioned Lidditz once, I think, but it's a, it's a beautiful place. I actually spent um, a weekend with my wife there uh, back in the fall. Um, and, but for people not familiar with it, um, how would you, as the mayor, describe it? Um, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about the history. But but what is Lidditz like? Well, Lidditz is uh, about uh, 10 miles north of uh, Lancaster in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And we have uh, approximately two square miles and, and we have approximately 9,000 people. And we're kind of like a, 
uh, an urban area set right inside farm area. On all our sides, we have uh, some preserved farms. So it's a very walkable town, and, and it's uh, we have some uh, nice, uh, what should I say, uh, tourist things, and we have a lot of nice shops. We were very fortunate that the Moravians who uh, actually uh, developed this in the mid-1700s, that uh, they planned our town out like a, a European town. So it's very nice in the fact that we, we have a lot of uh, extracurricular activities with big craft shows where we get like 30, 35,000 people. We have some beer fests. We have uh, uh, fire and ice coming up here where we get a tremendous amount of people. And what's good about it is we have uh, a town square. We have a big square in front of the Moravian church, similar to the European uh, cities and towns. And people can walk and the shops are right next to each other, kind of like the old uh, Boston and old Philadelphia in their old towns. And so it's very attractive. And we have a an old chocolate company that uh, called the Wilbur Chocolate Company that was came in town in the uh, late 1800s. They're a big draw for chocolate, and we're on the other end of town. And then we have a lot of nice shops, and people can walk the whole town and and spend a day here. So yeah, and I, and I, I will I will personally vouch for that. And there's some amazing restaurants in Lidditz, and it you really it does feel very different from a lot of other places that you can visit, even in Pennsylvania and certainly in the Mid Atlantic. Um, and some really fascinating history with the Moravian history as well. I'm curious, like, wh what is the challenge associated with preservation in the community? Is there a balance? Is it always a challenge? Where where does the community fall on that in terms of sort of like preserving exteriors of buildings? How how much work is put into that? Well, we have a we have a historical committee, and uh, and a, we have a the downtown a certain uh, area is considered a historic area, and they have separate zoning laws that people have to adhere to when they buy uh, property. So they've been doing that, and we've been able to preserve downtown. Um, very similar to what it was. And I, I guess I would imagine that history plays a big role in terms of just getting people to Lidditz. I mean, that's a, a big piece of what you play up between um, your historic food brands and then, of course, just the architecture itself. It seems like it's a, a big piece of it. Where is, where is Lidditz headed? I mean, in terms of growth and obviously you have preserved land around you, but... Um, what what is the what's the future for the community hold and and as local government what are you what are you focused on? Uh, we're focused on uh, keeping the community as vibrant as it as it is. We have a, a group called the Venture Lidditch that's a Main Street organization that uh, tries to keep a good mix of businesses downtown. Uh, we obviously try to keep our parks up and. Things that people are looking in, we're going to, in the next five years, uh, finish our rails to trails, which will take, that the, we'll have a bike and a hiking path that goes from Lidditz all the way over to Ephrata. Uh, so there's quite a few things that are going on that we try to keep uh, things 
uh, moving and up to date and uh, that we have a great community uh, like our rec center and things like that, that that the people can enjoy. Yeah, and there's a beautiful conversion too of the old Wilbur Chocolate Factory now into housing and restaurants and things like that. So there's been some really great preservation work going on in the community that yeah. When, probably... And we have another project that'll be coming up hopefully in the next year, where an old uh, building that used to be an old uh, hotel way back in the 1800s will be refurbished again and and uh, be another destination. Uh, restaurant slash hotel um that people can come come to and enjoy awesome well this this sounds like an extended commercial for Lidditz, but uh i I can assure you there was no compensation made but it's a beautiful place so let's just talk about sturgis pretzel company before before we go and then a couple rapid fire questions before we say goodbye so what does the next you know 160 odd years look like is there a new generation sort of waiting in the wings to take it on well, what is well, the, we have what's fourth the contingency? generation and we have a fifth generation but as of right now i can't answer that because i don't know how interested that fifth generation will be and uh so the future will tell yeah and as you said you are trying to break into new markets if uh if people listening want to get a sturgis pretzel but it's not in their market is there a way to get them uh, yeah, they have mail order out of the Tom Sturgis Pretzel Bakery, and they can go online uh, for www.tomsturgispretzels.com. And I, I can vouch for that. We have a giant tin sitting sitting in our house right now of Sturgis Pretzels. Okay, um, yes, thank you. <laughs> so uh, do you have a uh, a favorite pretzel? And then I guess maybe as a follow-up, do you know what's the best seller? I'm curious. As a pretzel uh, man, yeah, you must know. Yeah, our best seller is uh, called our little ones, which is a mini pretzel. Mm-hmm. And the difference with that one is it, uh, we leave it rise more and it's a very light pretzel and just it's a very good pretzel and people like it. So that's our best seller. But I enjoy the sourdough hard pretzel because I like the heartier taste. There you go. And do you ever get sick of pretzels or is it just sort of ubiquitous? Uh, no, I don't get sick, sick of pretzels. <laughs> well, that's good I, because I that would be a problem. <laughs> that would be a problem. Um, before we go, we ask everybody who comes on, what's your favorite historic place or site? Well, I have three of them that I'd like okay. that I enjoy, and I, I love the history behind them. And that's uh, the Gettysburg Battlefield, um, Boston. Uh, my daughter went to college there, and I found that very, very uh, interesting. And uh, then for the Revolutionary and everything else down in Philadelphia, the old town. So that's my favorite uh, historical places. Good. And you got two within within a quick drive, too. So you're Yes, I do. <laughs> well, it's it's been really fun talking with you, kind of getting to know the brand a little bit better and what it takes to keep um, a historic uh, flavor like this one going. And, and I hope it does last for another 160 years and that Generation 5, 6, and 7 are just as interested as the previous four. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. Okay, thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. 
PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation, and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.